Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So listen, how many guys remember one of these from school? Anybody remember one of these pencil sharpeners from school? Y'all remember this, right? Anybody remember uh, if... First day of school, you had to go show off your new outfit, so you naturally had to go, like, go over to the pencil sharpener. You had to show off your new kicks. He was like, hey, dog, check this out, right? Maybe, maybe your best friend was sitting next to the pencil sharpener, so you would go over there just to be like, see what they're doing, you know, because you were bored in math, right? Or maybe, maybe by the grace of God, the person you had a crush on was right next to the pencil sharpener, and you were like, hey, boo. And he was sharp and real slow, though. He was like, hey, what you, what you doing? Teacher, holler at you. Brad, what you doing? Huh? Nothing. Nothing. I ain't doing nothing. Right? Anybody, anybody remember sharpening pencils? Y'all see, kids these days got pins. Y'all don't even know the struggle. All right? And then if it broke halfway through the day, what you going to do now? Right? And, uh, but anybody remember, the, anybody remember get, getting a pencil and you just used it for way too long? Where am I clinging to the pencil as long as possible, people, right? Where it's like you got like you just over here sharpening like, please, Lord, I got two more periods to get through. Just, you know what I'm saying? Just help me get through, right? Anybody ever have a pencil that you just used up way too much? And here's the thing uh, about using up a pencil way too long because you sitting over here like, listen, bro, this is still good. Like, this is a good pencil. You know what I mean? Like, you sharpened it all the way down. You're like, man, listen, I got to keep going, dog. Got to keep going. So you're sitting in there like. Hold on. Taking notes. You can't even get good handwriting because the pencil's too small. And you're like, it's still good. It's still good. Like, I still got this. Um, problem is, how many guys know that, like, worn down pencils get real hard to sharpen? You know what I'm talking about? You, do, you over here, like, <laughs> it don't fit in the pencil sharpener anymore because you're like, well, look here. So I'm trying to, right? And the thing is, is worn down pencils get real hard to sharpen. Anybody feel like life's been wearing you down lately? Oh, come on. Anybody feel like it's been hard for God to get you sharp and useful because you ain't got much left in you anymore? Some of us, see, we're like small pencils where where life has just worn us down and worn us down and worn us down. And we want to be sharp and useful, but we don't feel like we can because there's not enough of us left to get sharpened. And last week we talked about languishing, where there's, a, there's, there's two sides of mental health. So there's the flourishing side. So the two drastic sides of mental health is flourishing and depression. And right in between flourishing and depression is this one word where, where psychologists believe most of America has been existing for the last two years, and it's this word called languishing. And I even have a quote to help you, to, to help you see what, what languishing even looks like. And this is from psychologist Adam Grant. It's the acute state of anguish has given way to a chronic condition of languish. Languishing is the neglect middle child of mental health. It's the void between depression and flourishing, the absence of well-being. You don't have the symptoms of mental illness, but you're not the picture of mental health either. You're not functioning at full capacity, and this is where I want you to get. Languishing dulls your motivation, disrupts your ability to focus, and triples the odds that you'll cut back on important things. Anybody relate to that like we talked about last week? And prayerfully, God is helping us move. So, so what do we need? We need some ready, set, flow, 
right, is what we talked about last week. And basically the idea of flow is you need to find yourself connecting to some people and something bigger than yourself to help get you moving again. And so that was our big invitation. <clears throat> and here's the reality. The thought of flow for many of us is hard because we feel like we've got so little left. We feel like small pencils. So how does God do something great with our life when we feel like we've been worn down so much? Now, maybe you can relate to this. And the reality is <clears throat> that God wants to use us. God wants us to flourish. He wants us to have a life of fulfillment. But we're worn down and we feel useless. Anybody? And so <clears throat> the question that I have for you, has it felt like life has been slowly wearing down your usefulness lately? Has it felt like life has been slowly just eating away at your use? Any, any, I asked this question last week. Anyone found yourself laying in bed longer in the mornings than you used to? Anybody found yourself staying up later at night watching too much Netflix more than you used to? Because part of you is just being worn down. So what do we do? What do we do as a response to this? Well, usually we have two different responses to this. First response is we start comparing ourselves to other pencils that are prettier. Right? So what do we do? We start looking at, we start looking at pretty pencils. Right? You get on Instagram and you're looking at everybody else's reels. Like, man, look, at they just got it all together. Look at their life. It's so good. They're in Paris again? Dubai? How do you even get to Dubai? Like, I don't even think American Eagle goes there. Like, right? Like, y'all got Dubai money? Right? Like, so what if we start comparing ourselves to other people's reels or their TikTok channels or, or looking at their pictures? And like, man, these guys got it together. What do we do? We're comparing ourselves to prettier pencils. Here's the problem with pretty pencils. Pretty pencils aren't useful. Man, they don't look like anything's grinding at them. They don't look like anything is wearing them down. They don't look like anything is sharpening them. They don't look like life is even affecting them. Maybe it's not, but here's the reality. Pretty pencils, pencils that haven't been sharpened, pencils that haven't been put into the grind, pencils that haven't had any friction put against them, pencils that haven't been put into the sharpener also aren't good for anything. I'll say it to you like this. The prettier the pencil, the less fulfillment they probably have in their life. Because the ultimate desire, psychologists, secular psychologists agree with this, the ultimate desire for every person is to live a life beyond themselves. To be useful to helping someone else get somewhere. To live a life where you're making an impact in somebody else's life. The problem is, it's real hard to have a life where you're impacting others when you haven't even been sharpened. And so, there's a level of uselessness if you're not going through the sharpening. So we look at other pretty pencils. Then the other alternative is we start wanting easy sharpening. Anybody remember when these bad boys came out? Mechanical pencils. Life-changing right here. Click, click, boom. You know what I'm saying? Like, here we are, right? So we look, we're looking for, like, listen, but the, the thing about this is it doesn't take any sharpening. And here's the problem with mechanical pencil type of growth. Are you ready? The mechanical pencil growth, there's no pain. There's no sharpening. You also don't get to show off your favorite outfit, but you can do that in the hallway. So you, you've got mechanical pencil type of growth. All you got to do, push the button. The problem with, with sharpening, the problem with usefulness that's easy to come by is it's also easy to break. 
And some of us want simple lives, not realizing that, not realizing that lives where God doesn't have to do some molding in us creates very fragile usefulness. And here's the reality. What we all really need is we all need to recognize that God has to do some sharpening in us. He has to do some friction in us. He has to mold and sharpen those things away from us that aren't helping us be useful. But here's the problem. If we're too worn down by life, we can't be sharpened. And so here's the reality that we find ourselves in, right? Is that growth without a grind leads you to weakness. Growth without a grind leads you to weakness. See, I want you to understand something, especially when it comes to the mechanical pencil type of growth that some of us are looking for. Because we live in a microwave society, don't we? Like, I want everything right now. Give it to me now. And it's like, yo, this is going to take a while. It's like, no, 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 I want it right now. And it's like, okay, well, you're going to get a cheap version of what could be great. Right? And so the reality is we find ourselves in that place. Your purpose might take a little more to get you sharp, but you'll be here for the long haul if you allow yourself, listen to me, if you allow yourself to grow and be sharpened, you can be useful for forever. But if you stay worn down or you keep trying to check into mechanical pencil type growth, you'll always be useless. But God wants you to be useful. Turn to your neighbor and say useful. That's why James 1, 2, and 3 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Nah, bro. <laughs> Consider it pure joy. Remember the last time you had joy? Like, are you any parents in here? Any parents in here? You remember the last time your kid fell flat on his face? Pure joy. <clears throat> then terror, okay? But for a second, you thought it was hilarious. Either before or after you freaked out, right? Okay, so like when you tell the story now, it's funny. Okay, so like pure joy. So consider it pure joy when you face trials of any kind. No, absolutely not. Does anybody else don't, your first instinct isn't joy when you face trials? He says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of any kind. But this is why, this is why, right here, going back to being sharp and being, going back to being useful for what God is calling us to. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That means if you're growing, you don't mind being sharpened because you can continue to grow even while you're being sharpened. So the, what would be grinding me down to be useless and useless and useless isn't grinding me down to be useless because I'm going to keep growing in God as he sharpens me. So it doesn't matter how much I keep putting, getting put into situations where they're sharpening me. It doesn't matter how many times I get put in situations where I'm being grinded against. It doesn't matter how many situations I get put into where I'm having things knocked off of me and shaved off of me. At the end of the day, I'm not less because of what I went through. I'm still here, useful in the kingdom of God, regardless of what I've gone through. And the question that I have for you, does anybody, has anybody ever felt like my life just isn't all together? Okay, we're in the right church. I was going to change the message for a second. Like, my life just isn't all together. Ephesians 1, 17 through 18 is the verse for this series. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Say better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. In other words, Ephesians 1 is saying there's a life that God wants you to live, and he's inviting you into living it. And you can keep living your life if you want to, but living your life leaves you right where you're at. 
But living his life brings you joy. Living his life gives you purpose. Living his life takes you somewhere. So you can live your life, but stop complaining about it. Because God's giving you an option to live his life. And so it's really, the ball's in our court. So what if we stop looking at how my life isn't altogether as the reason I can't or I won't or I shouldn't be able to serve God or serve God's people? What if the fact that your life isn't everything you wish it was wasn't the reason why you say you can't, you won't, or you shouldn't serve God's people and serve God's kingdom? What if you looked past that? I want to give you a story today of a young woman in the Bible who had to make this decision. In the book of Esther, chapter 2, if you want to turn there, that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time. King Xerxes is in power. He's ruling. I'm catching you up on where we're going to pick up in Esther chapter 2. But King Xerxes is ruling. So he decides he's going to celebrate his awesomeness because he's just so legendary. So he throws a six-month party. Could you imagine? Unlimited resources and a party that lasts six months. Some of us don't stay up past nine anymore. A six-month party, and he calls for his wife to come parade around her beauty in front of all of his guests with her crown. And she says, no. Husbands, I know you can't relate to this. But she says, no, I'm not doing it, right? And this is where we pick up in Esther chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I want to read this to you. Later, when King Xerxes' fury had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done, Vashti being his wife, the queen, and what he had decreed about her. Then the king's personal attendants proposed, let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. And then in verse 4, then let the young women who please the king be queen instead of Vashti. This advice appealed to the king, and he followed it. So they go out looking through all the land for all of these young ladies, right? So as they're looking for young women, the next one who's going to become queen, right? In the search, there's this young woman, an orphan named Esther. And this orphan is living with her cousin, whose name is Mordecai. And she's living with her cousin, and, and she gets brought up into the conversation of being placed in front of the king as a possible a person who could possibly become queen one day. Now, there's some important things about Esther you need to know. One, she is an orphan. And two, she is Jewish. And so, as King Xerxes is getting ready to bring all of these women in front of her, she gets called in. And I want to create a very clear understanding of what her life should be. Because in this culture, essentially, she has no parents. Therefore, her parents have nothing to offer for whoever her husband would become. Therefore, her future should really just be one of washing dishes in her cousin's house for the rest of her life. She doesn't have a family lineage to present to someone. Therefore, she should really just be an outcast from society forever because there's no lineage that the husband is able to connect to for the woman. And so she really should have nothing forever. But when God gets involved in situations that have no hope, he is able to present hope. But what do we do when the hope that he presents doesn't look the way we think it should? And so she gets invited to the beauty pageant, essentially. Like, ladies, could you imagine? Like, hey, we need you to parade yourself in front of the king, see if he wants you. It's like, how about no? Okay, like, so she gets invited to the beauty pageant. But she's hiding the fact that she's Jewish from everyone. Let's keep going. And here's a question that I have for you, and this is the question that Esther had to ask herself. What could your yes 
change the trajectory of? What could your yes change the trajectory of? And so let's look at this story with Esther, because the first thing that yes meant for her, saying yes means getting out of your own way. Saying yes means getting out of your own way. Are there any control freaks in the room? See, some of you are control freaks, but the mere fact that I was asking you to raise your hand was like, I'm not raising my hand for that. <laughs> right? It means getting out of your own way. Could you imagine? I want you to think about the headspace of this young lady for a second, right? So they're like, hey, did you hear that the queen who was asked to go in front of the king and parade around her beauty said no, so we're looking for some young women to go in front of the king and parade around their beauty. And she's like, uh, the last person that did this, the last person that wore the crown, the last person who was in charge of all of this just got exiled from the kingdom for not doing what the king said. And so you're inviting all of us to now step into the same space that she was just kicked out of, which means you already know that there's going to be an abuse of power, an abusive situation, and a king that's ruling and reigning over you that makes demands of you that you don't want to do. So, so imagine her headspace for a second, a teenage girl who's being invited to step into a space that she obviously doesn't want to be in, that goes against a culture that she loves, and it goes against a people that she's a part of. And so everything in this young lady has to be screaming, don't do it. But sometimes saying yes means getting out of your own way. And she goes in front of him. And I can see her now like, I don't want to be here. Like, think of you going to work on Monday. Like, I don't want to be here, but time's a thousand. That's what she's going through. Like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be going through this. Like, can I just go back to washing dishes? Can I just go back to my cousin's house? I don't want to be here at this job. And listen, for you, at this career, I don't want to be going through this degree situation again. I don't want to be at this place in life where I feel like I'm so worn down. I don't want to be in a marriage that looks like this. I don't want to be in a situation that looks like this. I don't want to be in these struggles. I don't want to deal with this depression. I don't want to go through these financial issues. I don't want to go through this marital problem. Listen to me, but here you are. And you can sit in it or you can let God move you through it. And sometimes saying yes just means getting out of our own way. Because maybe, say maybe, maybe God wants to get into your situation rather than getting you out of it. Maybe God wants to get into your marriage rather than getting you out of it. Maybe God wants to get into your depression with you rather than just getting it out of you. Maybe God wants to get into whatever you're, listen, so Esther 2.9 says this, she pleased, talking about Esther, she pleased him and won his favor. So despite everything in her saying, don't do this, she pleased him and won his favor. And here's the thing I want you to understand. God's favor may not always look the way you think it should. So she, she goes before him, and the king's like, that one. She's like, duh. That's not in the Bible. I'm just reading between the lines. Okay, this is the BLV, Brad Livingston version. You can do whatever you want. Okay, so that one, duh. All right. 
But I want you to go, we, we've read this verse, and this one will show up a few more times throughout the series, Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, taken hold of the life that I know that God has for me. But one thing I do, even though there's a, th- there's a life that I know I'm trying to get to, but I haven't gotten there just yet. Can anybody relate with that? There's a life I know God wants for me. I just haven't got there yet. Anybody relate with that? Come on. Like, but one thing I do, I'm forgetting what's back there. And Esther's saying, I may not want what's in front of me, but if it's what God wants for me, I'm going to let go of what's back there to pursue what's in front. Right? So King Xerxes gives her favor. She earns favor with everyone. It says, I'm fat. This is like four chapters of the Bible. I'm trying to condense it down for you. Okay. She earns favor with everyone. So Haman, say Haman, a man with position gets frustrated with her cousin Mordecai. I want you to remember Mordecai because he's going to show up next week uh, as a subject for the sermon. But today we're talking about Esther. Okay. So, um, so, so Haman gets frustrated with Mordecai. And so when he gets frustrated with Mordecai, he says, you know what? Rather than just kill him, I'm going to kill all of his people too. So Haman puts out a death issue. A kill threat. We're going to kill all the Jews. Right? And King Xerxes signs off on it, unknowing, not paying attention to what he's doing, gives him the ring. Yeah, do whatever you need to do, and signs off. And so throughout the land, all of Mordecai's people, all the Jews are going to be killed. The problem is, who else is Jewish? Esther. But King Xerxes doesn't know Esther is Jewish. So he just approved a kill threat on all the people, even the person that already earned his favor. There's some stuff in this book. Y'all got to read it. I'm telling you, this is better than Jerry Springer. Okay, so. Because <laughs> here's the second thing I want you to grab a hold of. Saying yes also means being placed right where God wants you. Saying yes means being placed right where God wants you. In Esther 2.17, it says again, Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women. And she won his favor and approval more than any of the others. So he set a royal crown on her head and made that girl queen, y'all. That last part was my addition to the text. (laughs) Made her queen. But she's still Jewish. And all of her people are dying. And she still hasn't told anyone that she's a Jew. She hasn't told anyone about her heritage. And so she's keeping it a secret. So then there's a death order placed on all the Jews while Esther, a Jew, is crowned crowned as queen. And God's, listen, I want you to grab a hold of this and lean in for a second. I know life has been wearing you down and you feel like you're in a weird place. But God's favor can get you into places you shouldn't be. At one point in my corporate career, I was hiring people. I want you to grab a hold of this because some of you, this is going to be helpful. At one point in my corporate career when I was making more than enough money, I was in a position where the people that were applying for the job that I was hiring had to have a master's degree. And I didn't have a bachelor's degree or an associate's or anything because God can put you in places you shouldn't be. So Mordecai... The cousin tells Esther about the kill order that, that Haman, and by default, King Xerxes, is going to kill the kill order to kill all of his people. And that brings me to the third thing I want you to grab a hold of. Is saying yes means finally confronting what's been trying to destroy you. Saying yes to flourishing, saying yes to what God wants to do in your life, saying yes to where God is leading you, it means finally confronting what's been trying to destroy you. Listen, For some, it's even a slow destruction that looks a lot more like slow deterioration. 
You see, I've said this last week, but for some of us, we think that the thing that's coming at us to destroy us is this massive thing. Like, it's this porn problem. It's this addiction to drugs. And listen, those things could destroy you. Don't get me wrong. But you want to know what I think the enemy's strategic plan has been lately? It hasn't been this massive breaking of you. It's just been this slow deterioration of just dwindling you down to where you don't just make a terrible decision that destroys your character. You just stop caring about making decisions at all. Because what if the thing that was trying to destroy you wasn't the biggest thing in the world? It was the thing you stopped even noticing was there. It became apathy and indifference. So what happens, right? We go into this place, but here's the question that I have for you. What if all that grinding, what if all that shaping, what if all that shaving has been sharpening you for where you're about to be useful? Because here's the reality. Anybody feel like you've just been grinded down and worn down in life? Come on, just raise your hands with me for a second. If you feel like the last couple of years has just kind of worn you out a little bit and you've just been like, oh, dear God, right? Here's the thing I want you to remember. Short, dull pencils are the pencils that have been used for something. So if you feel like you've just been like, if you feel like you're the short pencil that's like, oh, dear God, oh, dear God, oh, dear God, oh, dear God, oh, dear God. You're like, man, I just feel like, Anybody ever beg God to use you and then God use you and you're like, I feel so used. (laughs) Dear God, oh dear God, oh dear God, oh dear God. And hear me, hear me. You could look at this dull pencil that's all frayed and worn out and go, man, what's wrong with that one? How come they don't look pretty like this one? Because only one of them has been used for anything. And maybe the fact that you've been worn down a little bit means God's getting glory out of your life, whereas he may not be getting glory out of this one. Maybe you're not Kim Kardashian. I know y'all follow her on Instagram. Don't give me that. (laughs) Maybe you're not her. But listen to me. And this isn't like a jab at her. This is more so a compliment on you. Maybe you're not her. But maybe God's getting more out of you than he's getting out of her. And, and by the way, replace Kim with whoever. Okay, so that's not, that's not a slide of Kim. All right. Even though, never mind. Okay, so, all right. So Esther says, so Mordecai says, you got to go see the king. Esther goes, I can't go see the king because if I go before the king and he hasn't invited me, he can kill me. And Mordecai's like, you still got to go. And she's like, mm, but do I? Right? Again, Read between the lines. Okay, so, but do I? Yes, you do. Mm, anybody relate? When your coworker's like, you need to go talk to the boss about this situation. You're like, mm, but do I? You know what I mean? You need to call the police. Mm, okay, sorry. <laughs> Esther 4, 13 through 14, and this is Mordecai's response to Esther's delay. This is Mordecai's response to Esther's delay, and this is what I want some of you to grab a hold of. Do not think that you are in the king's house. You alone of all the Jews will escape what's coming for the Jews. So Mordecai is saying, don't think that just because you live there and you're queen, that that kill order won't come find you too. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Mordecai is saying, we're going to be good. 
because God's got us. But if you don't play your part, your family and every lineage after you, that's what he says. Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family, in other words, your lineage, it'll perish. In other words, I know you're worn down. I know you're tired. I know you're fearful. I know you're worried. But listen to me. If you don't do what you're supposed to, you're still going to die, right? Just like the rest of the people may die. But hear me, your lineage is going to end with you. But if you step up, not only will your lineage continue, but the Jews will continue also. We are going to be good because God's got us. But if you play a role in this, your family, your lineage, your purpose can fulfill. And listen to me, I want you to grab a hold of this today because I'm talking to some of you right now. You've been tired and you've been worn down and life has come at you and I get it. It's been hard lately. The last two years have crippled many, but I'm here to tell you today, if you'll step into your purpose, you can start changing the tra- trajectory of you and your family and your kids. You can long in it if you want to. You can stay where at if you want to, and God's still going to do what God's going to do through everyone else. But you have an opportunity to make sure that what God does in everyone else also happens for you. But it does mean you got to say yes. And this is what Mordecai says. This is so good. He says, and who knows? In verse 14, and who knows? Perhaps you have come to your royal position For such a time as this, maybe God put you here to do this one thing. Listen to me. Maybe God put you where you are to do exactly what he's calling you to do. Maybe God put you in this church to do something in this house that would make a difference in the generations of people that are going to come after us. That is the reason we are partnering on $30 million complexes and expanding with $3 million plans to launch a preschool and a coffee shop. The reason we're doing everything is because we're taking dominion in this city, not for me, not for Brad Livingston's name, so that my kids and your kids and our grandkids and the kids that are going to come after that can declare that Jesus is king. And I don't care what goes on in society. This is a place where we're making a difference. And hear me. What if you are here because God has set something aside for you to do in it? Gone are the days of cultural Christianity where we check off Sunday morning church boxes. We are in an era where Christians become Christians and we serve the kingdom and we love people and we love God and it mobilizes us or Christians fall off, deconstruct and go back to whatever they thought was better than God. Because we live in the land of extremes. I'm inviting you into the place where we understand God has something to do. God's people will receive God's promises. God just wants you to be part of the process. Esther goes to see the king. And we're going to cover the story more next week, the end of the story, because it leans into Mordecai's world. But Esther goes to see the king. She tells the king, Haman is trying to kill her people. But the way she lays it out is genius, because women are petty, man. P-E to the T-T. Okay, so, so she goes before King Xerxes, and she's like, hey, listen. And King Xerxes is like, I'll give you anything you want. And she's like, perfect, because I, I do have something I want. He's like, anything. Half the kingdom is yours if you want it. And she goes, I would love for my people not to be killed. And King Xerxes is like, that's easy. For you, queen, I'll do that. You know what I mean? Husbands, take that line and use it, all right? So just so you know, for you, queen, I'll do that. Anyway, so like, for you, queen, I'll do that. And King Xerxes, this is what he says. You can go back and read it. I don't have time. He says, who would give such a ridiculous order? Keep in mind, there's only three people at this meal. Xerxes, Esther, and Haman. Only three people in the room. 
Esther's asking for something. King Xerxes is going, what kind of knucklehead would put a kill order on your people? Could you imagine Haman sitting over there like, oh, man. <laughs> like, this is not about to go my way, is it? And Esther's like, an adversary and a vile person. And she points at him, Haman. And King Xerxes kills him, removes the kill order, and even does something amazing by by establishing Mordecai as a ruler in the land, which we'll look at next week. And for some of you, maybe you found yourself in that place like, man, God can't use me. And I'm going to tell you that he can. Karen Jobes, who is an author for one of the articles that I read, she says this, and I thought this was beautiful. Beneath the surface of even seemingly insignificant human decisions and events, An unseen and uncontrollable power is at work that can neither be explained nor thwarted in the life of Esther. If you read through the book of Esther, you don't see huge grand moments from God happening. It's kind of just regular decisions and normal events. But God moves through regular decisions and normal events, right? And the team's going to come up, but I want to give you this story. Um, I remember not too long ago, a lady, her, her mom had reached out to me, and, and as she reached out to me, she, she was like, no, hey, I'm praying for my daughter. She lives in your city. I would love for her to come to your church. And so she was praying for me, and they're all coming up. Just stay with me for a second, God. She, she was, so I would love for my daughter to come to your church. And so um, she says she's been hurt in the church before, and she doesn't, know, she doesn't know if she wants to try it. And I was like, listen, if there's a church she can walk into, Honey, it is this one, okay? And so she's coming in, and she's, she's praying about her daughter coming. Her daughter finally shows up. And, and her daughter was a single mom, so she had a baby, wasn't, uh, wasn't married. So she had a baby before she was married, and she had tattoos from her wrists all the way to her shoulders on both sides. And apparently she had tried a couple churches, and it just didn't work out. And so she comes in, she walks, she, the day finally comes, and she walks through our front door. And when she walked through the front door, I knew exactly who she was. Because her mom had been blowing me up on Facebook for like six months. She was like, I pray, I pray she's going to come. I pray she's going to come. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. Okay. So, and so um, I see her walk in and she walks in and she walks in and she's got a daughter in her hand. And I could tell, you know, you look at some people and they just look terrified. And she was walking in. I could tell she was like at that face, like someone just don't let anyone talk to me, please. And she walks through the door, daughter in hand. And the first person that she comes face to face with is not the person you want to come face to face with if you don't want anyone talking to you. And it's Charity. And so, so she comes, she comes face to face. She comes face to face with Charity. And Charity, if you've not met Charity or you don't know who Charity is, you've met Charity. You just may not know who she, who we're talking about. So, so Charity, like she just oozes happiness all over other people. So she's just like, here, be happy like me. And so. So she meets Charity. She comes face to face with Charity, and Charity's like, "Oh, you know, we're so, like I've never been more excited to meet you than any other person ever." And so, she she is like, "You know, how can I help you?" And so she walks to the door, and so she she's coming in. She's like, "Oh, and, and your daughter's so beautiful." And the thing, and I'm, I watch the interaction happen, so I can attest to all this being true. And so Charity's just like loving this young lady, and this young lady's like, "Oh my God, I don't think I've ever met anyone like you ever." Um, and surely Charity's like, "Oh, that's a compliment." And maybe it was, I don't know. But like, so she was like, "I love you," and so. 
Charity's loving on her, and the lady comes in, and, and Charity goes, oh, well, let me get you checked in. And so she checks in her daughter, and they get back to the kid's space, right? And, and Charity walks through the whole way down. And I think by the time they were done, like, Charity had her email, her phone number, her Instagram handle. Like, so she was walking her down, and they get to the kid's space. And I could tell because the mom was cautious, the little girl was cautious too, you know what I mean? And so, so we get back there, and, and, and Lydia was there, and, and Lydia, who is a boss of a TC Kids Code, like, she's amazing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all the kids think that Lydia is a kid too. So, um, but, so Lydia was there and she just immediately started interacting with the daughter and I, I watched because I was, I was just watching the whole thing unfold and I, I watched the daughter and I watched her demeanor change even though moms hadn't yet. And Lydia was like, oh, and I love your shoes and I love your shirt and the little girls, you know, and she, she starts coming out and the girl goes into the classroom and, and the mom comes, she sits in the auditorium and and, and Charity was sitting in the auditorium that week as well, or that service as well. So naturally, mom was not getting away, okay? So like, come sit with me. And she's like, I don't know. No, 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 come on. Like, so she's sitting next to Charity and, and we did the whole service and she's just weeping. She's crying. And she, she get, we get all the way through and, and, and I, don't, I don't necessarily know that all the decisions she made that day, right? But I know she came in and she, as she was going, through everything that's happening in the service, I do know that she prayed that day that Jesus would change her life. And, and as she was going through that, she left and she came back the next week and she came back the next week and I invited her to get into some groups and get on the, I said, let's go through next steps. Let's get, let's get moving. Like, let's, God wants to do something in your life. And she's like, I just, I can't, I don't have it all together. I don't have everything figured out right now. And my life isn't what I feel like it should be. I said, girl, neither is anybody's. Like, but I'm here to tell you that if you'll say yes to something, God will get you moving even beyond what you feel like you're not qualified for. She went through next steps. And as soon as she got through next steps, she had to move. She moved to a new city. She sent me an email about three weeks later she said, do you know of any churches in the area? And so I looked up our church planning network. I said, check these out. And I didn't hear from her for a while. And she's just someone that would pop up in my mind occasionally. And about a year ago, I heard from her. And she's currently leading a small group for moms and children that meet in the middle of the week. And she's ministering to other people. But here's what I know, and I want you to grab a hold of this. We're going to shut this down in a second. But here's what I know. I know that during that season, Charity was navigating the most painful depression and mental illness phase of her entire life to a degree that one day she'll be able to tell the story of, but that's not my story to tell, but to the degree that it was impacting every part of her life. But listen to her, when that woman walked through the door, Charity wasn't looking at who she wasn't, she was looking at who God had made her to be. I know that when Lydia interacted with that little girl, that Lydia was staring her deepest pain that she had ever gone through in her entire life, face-to-face -face and dealing with the most deep personal anguish that she had ever navigated in that moment. 
And my question is, what if Esther had let what she wasn't stop her from what she was supposed to be? What if Charity had let what she wasn't stop her from what God was calling her to be? What if Lydia was going to let what she was going through stop her from being who God had called her to be? And I'm here to tell you today that nothing has to stop you from saying yes to what God is calling you to. Nothing has to get in the way. What you've been through doesn't dictate who you become. God gets to establish your steps. And I want to read to you Ephesians 1, 17 through 18 out of the message paraphrase so that you can get it the way uh, that I want you to hear. I ask that the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. This is what Paul and God is asking that they want from you. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust in him. Endless energy, boundless strength. That is what God wants for you. So here's the question. What if God is calling you to do something amazing and you just keep letting things stop you? But what if now is your time? It doesn't matter that you feel like the small pencil. It doesn't matter that life's been wearing you down. Now is your time. Let's get moving because God wants to get some glory out of your life. I know life has been hard. I know things have worn you down, but it's time to say yes to what God is calling you to. And I'm here to invite you into this space. Listen, right after this service, you can go down the hallway. Next Steps is gonna kick off and that's where you can find out what did God build you for so that you can say yes to it. I'm inviting you to do that. Whatever you had planned, it's raining anyways. Go to Next Steps, all right? So I'm here to invite you to say, what, all right, God, whatever you've got for me, I'm ready to say yes to it, all right? It takes two weeks to finish Next Steps and we can get you moving to where what God called you to do, you can be like Esther, you can be like Lydia, you can be like Charity, you can be like any of the dream teamers you see around you because their life isn't perfect, they just serve a perfect God that moves in the mess. And this is what I love and we're gonna, oh my gosh, all right. Tim Keller says this, in the past, when God's people have been in trouble, he sent miraculous signs and wonders. Anybody ever been looking for one of those lately? Like, God, just show me something. Here though, talking about the book of Esther, he seems completely absent. There's no mention of God at all in the book of Esther. No vision, no dream, no prophecy, and no prayer. Just God's people being God's people. Your life being all together isn't a prerequisite to flourishing. You saying yes to God's plan is. So look at me, say yes, because it's the greatest life you could ever live. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you lead us and you guide us. For those who have been worn down, lead us forward, God, so that we can know that you're in control. For those that are going to say yes, they're going to go to next steps. They're going to join a team. They're going to find a place to serve. God, I pray that you empower them with purpose that helps them flourish in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you just need a fresh start in God, sin has separated you from God. You know that. You know you got some stuff in your life, but you're ready to say yes to God. If that's you, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.